We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Well, we have a lot of football still to unpack from the weekend, but we got to take a pause here because we are so pleased to have our next guest in studio. It's Jeff Perlman, of course, is an award-winning author. He's got a new book out. It's about Bo Jackson. It's Bo Jackson, the last folk hero, the life and myth of Bo Jackson. It's available now wherever you buy books. And Jeff is here with us. I mean, Jeff, you have written about, like, so many mythic people in sports, like Walter Payton and Brett Favre and the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, which are chock full, USFL, all these, you know, really big topics. Like, Bo Jackson, I mean, how mm. close is the reality to the myth? Um, very, very close. Really? Yeah, really close. Like I, um, I was thinking about this today. He, um, when he got to the Raiders in 1987, he'd been playing baseball and he'd run a four, one, three forty in college, which is crazy. Preposterous. He was 220 <laughs> pounds. Like Tyreek Hill does not want to four, run a four, one, three forty. So he shows up with the Raiders. Tom Flores is a coach and he wants Bo to run a 40 on grass and pads. And he, they clock him at a four, one, nine. And Flores says, that doesn't seem right. And they do it again, and he, he runs a four one seven. Oh my goodness! Wow, is this a joke? It's but, like a joke. <laughs> well, the title "The Last Folk Hero" makes it sort of to me implies that it, there's sort of some myth going on here, and there's some because I remember him as running for sixty five yards on every play. Like mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, and he ended a little bit early. How much of it is just uh, we mythologize Bo Jackson, and how it makes us, you know you're already answering that question that it really was this spectacular. So I thought there'd be more myth than there was, right? Perfect example is like, I started working on the book and people told me there's a game, uh, there's always a game in high school. Yeah. You know, every player, there's Everyone's always a game. Got one, yep. Everyone's got a game in high school and you're throwing smoke off the ball. I'm like, <laughs> so there's a game, they're playing Fairfield High. It's McAdory High School is where Bo went. And everyone kept telling me he hit this fly ball to left field. And by the time it came down, he was rounding third, right? <laughs> now that sounds preposterous. Yeah, it sounds like Bugs Bunny type stuff. Yeah. 100%. So I start talking to people about it who are at the game. Nah, man, that's true. No. Nah, Okay, no, I'm telling you, it's true. So I tracked down Eddie Scott, Fairfield High's left fielder, and the guy who was in left field. He's like, it's true. He goes, he hit that ball. I could not find it. It was so freaking high. He's like, I couldn't find it. It bounces on the grass, pops up, and when I grab it, I look up to throw, and he's rounding third. He goes, I swear to God, that is the truth. And there's like a million just crazy, crazy mythological Bo Jackson stories, and 90% of them check out. Oh, that is amazing. Wow. Jeff Perlman is here with us in studio. He's written a new book about Bo Jackson, the last folk hero. So him as like, he's got these amazing moments. We could talk about the moments, you know, the Brian Bosworth moment, the running mm-hmm. up on the back of the, uh, in the outfield. Yeah. Like there's all these moments, but Bo the person, like, did you get a sense of what really made him tick? Like what his motivations were as an athlete and how he got to be so great? Well, I think of a lot of, a lot of it goes back to Bessemer, Alabama, where he's from. He was one of 11 and um, raised by a single mom poor, uh, predominantly African-American neighborhood. He literally grew up in a house with uh, no running water, an outhouse. He uh, he would go to elementary school either wearing his sister's shoes, hand-me-downs, mm-hmm. or socks, no shoes. Oh, my gosh. He was held back in early grade. He had a severe stutter. His dad lived across town and had nothing to do with him whatsoever. His dad was named A.D. Adams. He had his own family across town, barely ever looked at Bo Jackson. So as he grew up, he was like this bully. He was a bully of a kid. He used to mm. beat kids up, steal their lunch money, blah, blah, blah. But he also was like, this is going to sound weird, right? He was throwing rocks at cars and other kids. He would get in these crab apple fights. He, at his house, he had a five and a half foot fence surrounding his house. 
So when he needed to escape the house, he would have to jump over the fence because his mom watched the entranceway. It's almost like this old school Rocky montage mm. where you want to know how Bo Jackson became Bo Jackson. He was blessed physically, but he did all these things. He was beating kids up with a bat. He was throwing crab apples. He was jumping over fences and he arrives at high school and he's a specimen. I mean, that's pretty amazing. But like that that is a crazy mythology. But how does that impact him as a person? Because for us it's great. We get the Rocky montage, it yeah. all makes sense, adds up in like a you know, slumdog millionaire kind of way. Yeah. But what did that do for him, his psyche growing up in those bad conditions? Right. That's it's good. So he um that's a good follow up, I gotta say. Like I was like going on this roll and you're like, hey, what was it do? Like um he um he had a brother who went to reform school and he was terrified of going to reform school because he actually thought he literally would say I don't want to go to reform school and get sexually attacked, oh, right? Boy. He just had this fear, this actual fear that he talked about a lot. And it drove him where he was like, I can't go to reform school. I can't go to reform school, anything but reform school. So when he goes to McAdory High School and there's this track team and a coach is like, hey, you should come out for track. And he's really good at track. Then it's like, you should try baseball. And he's really good at baseball. Then he tries football and he's phenomenal at football. So he was actually motivated by seeing what could be. Oh, and like, I don't, I can't do that. I can't, and his mom would always threaten to send him to reform school. If you do this, you're going to reform school. So reform school. Oh my wow. gosh. Don't go to reform school. So Bo That's Jack a level of stress yeah. that I oh feel like is, no is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, Bo Jackson, I think has done the two sport thing. I mean, Dion too, better mm -hmm. than anybody. When did that start? I mean, was this a, a goal of his when he got to high school? He's like, oh, I'm going to be an NFL star and an MLB star. Or did this evolve over the years? Well, he was actually a three sports star. So he was a, his best sport in high school was track. And he, um, he's preposterous. Like he's preposterous. Like he, he won back to back state decathlon championships. He set five individual state records in different events in <laughs> high school. He won the decathlon twice without doing the last event, the fifteen hundred, because he hated distance running. So he got so far ahead he wouldn't have to do it. His senior year, he won the decathlon on a sprained ankle. A day later, his baseball team was in the state playoffs, and his coach needed someone to pitch. Bo Jackson hadn't pitched it all that year. He starts, strikes out thirteen, gets the win. It's a joke. Oh my goodness. And um, he was drafted by the Yankees in the second round out of high school. And his mom really wanted him to go to college. Mm -hmm. He would have been the first guy to go to a four-year school out of that family. So he went and he knew he was going to play both. I don't think he knew he was going to be a pro in both until later on. Yeah. I mean, and like, I always think about Bo Jackson and then today's athlete, right? Because he kind of has some things like, I think about the Odell catch is kind of like the Brian Bosworth run. If that's even true that he actually said, you know, next time I'm going to charge you bus fare. Is that the legend about Bosworth? About Bo saying it to Bosworth. Yeah, right. Drag yeah, I'm a little skeptical on that one. So okay. <laughs> but it's a great line. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think about Odell's one-handed catch against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think about these moments that Bo had that would have been viral back then these things that he's known for is, was he the beginning of like what we're seeing now with the modern athlete where you're known for these moments almost more than your full career? Man, that's a great point. I would actually say yes. Cause I, when people think about Bo Jackson, okay. They think about running up the wall. Yep. They think about Monday night football, two things running 91 yards down the sidelines, which by the way, one of the Seahawks coaches said he was holding notes and the notes literally got stuck <laughs> by, and he swore on it. He's like, I'm telling you. And also running over Boz. He's known for leading off the All-Star Game. 1989, yeah. he leads off the All-Star Game with a home run with Vin Scully and Ronald Reagan in the booth with the Bono ad, Bono's ad campaign premiering in that game. So, like, timing was everything. Yep. So all these little moments are really, they actually are what we remember about Bo. And I can't say, like, he spearheaded a movement, 
but I think he was a precursor to what was to become. Yeah, yeah. because unfortunately his career didn't last very long because of his uh, the hip injury. Yeah, the hip injury, which ended his career. Did he? How does he feel? Or for people around yeah. him? I know you did talk to him, but like, how, how does he feel about his career that was cut short? I feel like this is the best thing about Bo Jackson. He truly doesn't give a crap. Like, mm. really, when people are like, "You could have been Jim Brown," or "You could have been Mike Trout," he doesn't care. He just doesn't care. He isn't. He's not losing sleep over not being either Hall. Right now, he's a grandfather, which makes me feel old. <laughs> he lives in suburban Chicago. He shovels his own driveway. He drives a Ford truck. He goes hunting. Like, people are like, "Oh, if only you didn't." And he's never been like that. He's like, "This is my life, man. I'm happy." Is that because, like, growing up in the poverty and sort of already feeling like you've made it and he accomplished so many things that he doesn't have regrets, or he's just a man who's at peace with himself? Or he truly, truly, truly wanted what he didn't have as a kid which is a stable family life mm. and he's had a wife for almost 40 years he has three kids who are all adults he's a grandfather like i think that's what he craved more than anything and he got it We're talking to jeff perlman the author of the newest book the last folk hero on bo jackson now you've written some books about somewhat controversial figures and figures who weren't controversial but you really i think painted a fuller picture of their lives i'm thinking of the walter payton book mm. when you write these books you know, how much you think about possible backlash? I always think about it, but it's the, it's, it's the inexact nature of biography and it's the flaw of biography. Like my wife always says to me, she's like, I don't know how you do blank. Like, how do you do that? How do you, I write a biography of Walter Payton. I found out that at the end of his life, Walter Payton was severely depressed and that he was writing suicidal notes. Now, if you're writing a definitive biography of someone, you have to include that, but you know it's gonna hurt feelings. It's going to hurt his kid's feelings and his widow's feelings. And I don't really know a solution to that. Mm -hmm. But if you enter the field where you decide you're going to write definitive books and biographies, you don't really have a choice, but it sucks. Is, uh, w w this book about Bo Jackson, did you, are there possibly going to be backlash something here? Do you think Bo would be upset or the fans would be upset? Because he's got very loyal fans. I think he's going to like this book a lot if he reads it. Um, I'd say the two like quote unquote controversial, which isn't really that controversial. Number one, he was definitely getting paid in college, but <laughs> I know. I mean, Charles Barkley was also at Auburn. I think he's mentioned yeah, wait, things I like say, that. Yeah. It's so funny how I'm like, I have some bad news for you guys. When Bo Jackson was playing in the SEC in the 1980s, <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, oh. That's a good one, Jeff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's a good one. And then um, it's minor, but like, you know, he liked the ladies in college, but he was in college. If I had any game, I would have liked the ladies. You know, it's just like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but yeah. there's nothing like uh, that people are going to be horrified to find out or, oh. or depressed. Well, depressed about maybe his childhood, but where you're, where really the myth does match the man. He's great. Yeah. Like, he is actually great. And the That's things, so refreshing. <laughs> he is. He really is. And, like, all the stories behind what he did. I mean, like, um, when, he, uh, when he climbs a wall and makes that catch, right? I talked to a guy who played with him on the Memphis Chicks in 1986, but it was one minor league season. And he's like, as soon as I saw that, I remembered a game in Charlotte when he climbed up the wall too. And then Willie Wilson was playing in the outfield with him that day. And Willie Wilson's like, I saw him do that in spring training. And I kept betting uh, my peers that one day this guy's going to climb up a wall. And I called them all and collected money. And my favorite <laughs> thing about that is uh, I talked to a ton of major leaguers who told me that night and then the day after in their own parks, they were all trying to run up the wall. Oh, yeah, to try and they kept to do falling it. and nobody <laughs> could do it. And I think it's the most amazing highlight of all time because... We've seen great throws. We've seen great runs. We've never, no. literally, never before, never since, have we seen someone run up the off wall. Never. No, absolutely not. It's insane. Not.
Um, it's kind of shocking that more things you've written about haven't become like big TV series Ooh. or movies, but I'll obviously Showtime Lakers was, yeah. was a really good one and yeah. it got such a critical acclaim. It was a commercial hit too. Uh, you know, everyone was watching it and that was such a unique book. I, the question I have for you now is like, clearly the Lakers are struggling now early on in the season. When you were writing that book, Jeannie Buss was like a, a minor-ish character then because mm -hmm. Jerry Buss, her father, was such a large character. Did they see things in her then that would equip her now for dealing with the type of adversity that the Lakers are going through? Because she's really the mm. person in charge right now. I know. I think at the time, um, I mean, in the series, her role is definitely a little steroided up. Like her role with the team back then wasn't quite what they have it. I mean, it's dramatic TV. Um, she headed the the in the ten the tennis team, the LA Strings. That was her assignment back then. She was in charge of the Strings, and I think her dad was sort of trying to groom her mm -hmm. to greater things. But did he think one day my daughter is going to be running the Lakers at that point in 1980? Definitely not. Definitely not. Not at that point at all. He did not. Just to be, it wasn't a women's woman's world then. Definitely like it just not. was yep. a foreign idea. Mm. So I don't think so. And I actually, um, I'm a huge genie admirer. Like she's great. She's really nice, but. I live out in Southern California. It's it's crazy how angry people are about what's going on. It's just, I've never, I'm from New York, so I have seen stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but, we're angry about everything. Yeah, but LA, people in LA generally aren't. Yeah. And it's like, it's very intense mm -hmm. right now. I, this might be impossible to answer, but if Jerry Buss was still alive today, what would be going on with the Lakers? Do you think anything would be different? Or it's it's a different NBA now, too, that exists where superstars have so much power, although Magic had a lot of power mm -hmm. even back in the 80s. But would it be any different if Jerry Buss was still alive? Well, number one, he let's just say, let's go hypothetical. He comes back. Okay? Okay. He comes back. Jerry Buss comes back today. <laughs> he rises from... Yeah. I mean, Palenka would be gone in a second. It's not his kind of guy. It's not his kind of executive, blah, blah, blah. He'd be very hands-on. I don't think Russell Westbrook could ever see the court again <laughs> in LA. I just... I think he'd be horrified times a million because, yeah, he was an entertainment guy and entertainment was very important to him, but winning and losing, was there was dignity to it. And that team right now has, I hate to say it, like zero dignity. It's just a mess. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm plugged for winning time. It's the only reason I'm keeping HBO Max right now. Because I know <laughs> two, I, and I'm a Sixers fan. And I didn't think the Dr. J actor was quite tall enough, but the casting's unbelievable. Yeah. It, the casting is unbelievable. Are they going to make a, a Dallas Cowboys series ever on your Cowboys book, or is it too R-rated that they couldn't even do it? I mean, someone bought the rights. So basically, yeah. what happens is when you uh, when you have a series made on one of your books, all of a sudden you become hot. Like these yeah. books yes. have been. I was yeah. wondering that. Yeah, all of a sudden stuff gets optioned. So I have a lot of things optioned right now. But just because something is optioned doesn't mean that there's yeah. so many hoops to jump through and hurdles and obstacles. Oh, the USFL book, uh, Football for a Buck, would be a great. Does great anyone movie really too? want to see Trump in a as a? Like, I just think Trump is kind of the obstacle there. Like, I think we've had enough. Well, right. I'm old enough to actually, I'm like, I want to see about a Chuck Fusine and the Philadelphia Stars. I don't oh, need Trump. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Perloff had some pitches yeah, uh, that he wanted right. to so make I love, to Jeff. Uh, you know, you. Jeff who lives and dies yeah. and likes, you know, with every single book, you know. My sister-in-law, Leah, does this all the time. Yeah. She'll be like, I have a great book idea for you. And it'll yeah. be like, what about the turtles of the Gal Galapagos? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And, <laughs> Would you ever write a book about pro wrestling in the 80s? Yes. I think because it, I don't know why, you know, this is my youth. And I feel like there's so much territory there. Hulk Hogan, the rise of that. Because it's also like some of your other books, a national book about everything else that's going on around it at the time in the country. I think it's a great idea. Okay. I think it's a little broad. I like tight subjects. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I do think it could be really fun. Uh, like give them all the rest and okay. have them pick Michael the Jordan. Best one. Uh, shoot. Wait, I'll just go yes or no. Okay. Yeah. No, too done. Uh, 2004 Red Sox. 
Don't care. <laughs> uh, I know you. I know you don't like this person, Pete Rose. Kashi Kennedy wrote a former yeah. colleague. Yeah, wrote yeah. a very good Pete Rose biography. Okay. I feel like if someone does one recently, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Spygate, Deflategate, Bountygate, NFL <laughs> scandals. No, not at all. Zero. This Why? interests me because to write a book, you have to love a subject and to spend two years writing about stuff that I've not that much interest in. It wouldn't really do it for me. Uh, that's all I got for you. I How mean, do you I, reconcile Favre now? Because I don't. I I literally went on social media and told people don't buy this book because he's not worth your time. No. I am horrified by Brett Favre. I am, this is what I say real quick. This is my point always. You're Brett Favre. Okay, we get it. You're from Mississippi and you grew up a certain way. You spend your career with the most diverse clientele of people ever. You have teammates from all walks of life, right? You've seen what it is to grow up poor and African-American in America. And you take freaking welfare money so you can have a gym built when you have the money yourself to do it. It's one, and you know what? Honest to God, we should have been on him the minute he sent his pictures to Jen Sturger and we should have been done with that guy. And yeah. we weren't. We gave him a second chance because he can throw far and he's country and a uh, gunslinger. Well, he was kind of like mythological. Not like Bo yeah. Jackson was on a whole other level, but Favre had that mythic kind of quality too. Yes, but I think like we fall in love with athletes and we let them do some stuff. And I'm telling you, as soon as he, he ruined her life. Yeah, he, he ruined did. Jen Sturger's life. And the moment he sent those pictures, the NFL should have been done with them, but of course they weren't and we should have been done with them. Yeah. You're right, and it's uh, now it's like I know Jen a little bit, and she still works through it. Every time a headline comes up with him in it, she gets like the blowback from it, and it's just a weird, freaking, awful thing. I know her too, yeah. and one, she's a really good person, yep, she is. and she's had to live with this crap for years, and it's just not fair, and we just painted Brett Favre as this great guy. Not in my book, necessarily, but yeah. just we all paid attention to him. I, I mean, should never written that book, to be honest with you. That's why it's such a high wire act what you do in some ways, because your words get printed and they're in the books and you know you have to live with that not to make you it angry. wasn't a, yeah. to be clear yeah. I, I just in my little defense it was not a love letter book to brett Favre yeah, yeah. at all yeah but in hindsight if i could take that book back i would just never touch that subject yeah. well it looks like you didn't have to have that kind of crisis of, of moral conscious with uh with bo jackson because it seems like he actually is a genuinely good person i believe he is that is great the last folk hero the life and myth of bo jackson this is like so in our wheelhouse jeff thanks for writing this book good luck and Stop by again soon. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Jeff Perlman, award-winning award winning writer. I can never say that. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Okay. Coming up next, hear what Aaron Rodgers said about the Packers' third straight loss. We got that for you in just a minute. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff straight ahead.